from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lie. Living, loving, laughing. We're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Hogan. Well, hello. Nice to be here. Yes, I am very excited to be in studio with you today, Hannah. Great to be in the studio with you, Dusty. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I don't know. I like it. It feels very early AM radio vibe. Yeah, they're like, welcome to the radio program. Welcome into the studio, Dusty Slay and his wife, sidekick Hannah Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been in a lot of radio studios where me and the guy will be talking normal. He's like, hey, how you been, dude? And I'm like, great, man. He's like, "Uh, all right, well, we're about to get started. And then he presses record and he goes, hey, welcome, this is Zany (laughs) Joe, and I'm here, you know what I mean? (laughs) That's how I feel when I um, meet a stand-up comedian in the green room, the headliner, and he's very solemn and stoic and philosophical, and he's like, yeah, I was just reading Jean-Paul Sartre, and he's just this very, like, uh, kind of beautiful soul of a man, he's just like, yeah, it's all about the art, man. And then he goes on stage, and he's like, there's a lot of differences between men and women, aren't there? <laughs> oh, man, you ever go on an airplane, get that airplane, just just complete pack, and you're like, oh, man. That guy's living a double life right now. They talking trash. They talking smack. Telling so many lies. I know they're full of crap. That's okay. Haters gonna hate. Uh-huh. I'll play at Stinky's Joke Barn with them any day. They, they, they talking trash. I, yes, absolutely. I mean, they, they want to talk to you. People in the green room that want to talk to you about uh, about politics and about... They want to they wanna go, you know what, man? I just... Wish that everybody could just get along, you know? And and then they go up on stage and they're like, what about these idiots out here? <laughs> yeah. You ever uh, want to run over a, a guy in a bicycle? <laughs> yeah. 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 What an idiot. All right. Yeah. I like to say idiot a lot. Idiot's a fun That's word to say. That's your only cuss word that you can say. Yeah. That's all I got left. That's all you got. That's all I, I, got I think left. you can say ass, though. You think so? I think it. I, I do think have it's one in the joke. Bible, so it feels like well, you should be able to say it. Yeah, but it's talking about a donkey. Mm. And it's actually the term for a donkey is ass, mm. just like the term for a male chicken is a cock. Just like the term for a female dog is. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, but you know what it is. <laughs> I do know what it is. And don't you dare call me that. <laughs> and then there's don't you dare call me also that. like the you know there's a cat. There's a term for a cat as well. Pusher. Yes. If you say pussycat, it's okay. It's totally fine. That, that word is, is acceptable. I don't think it is. I think it is. I don't think so. Is it not? No. Maybe I've been wrong about that, but there's a tree called the pussy willow. I thought it was called a weeping willow. Is that nah. two different trees? Yeah, I mean, there is a tree called that. I've looked it up. I've I seen love it. weeping willows. I like a willow, too. Oh, I love I'm just saying, willows. I'm not trying to say the P word out here. I'm just saying, when you add the other word onto it, it's totally acceptable. You're saying it's not, but it is. People do it all the time. So. Well, uh, they shouldn't. People do a lot of things all the time. People drink Coca-Cola all the time, and that's killing them. Well, that's true, but I, listen, I'm not saying it's right, but it's socially acceptable. What is right and wrong? <laughs> I've become that philosophical okay. comedian. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. We've got a hot podcast coming up for you. Um, we uh, Let's get right into it. Where we been, where we going? Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going? Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going, where we've been. Okay, this is where I've been. I've been in... Des Moines, Iowa. Last week I was in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, and it was a great time. I was at the Funny Bone. I was uh, working with a couple of comics there, but I was working with a guy, a feature named Chris Covey. Uh, he said he's been listening to the podcast, and that's very exciting because he wanted to talk about comedy. And that makes me excited. When people listen to my podcast and they know that I like to discuss comedy, then they want to discuss comedy with me, which is makes me happy because I like talking comedy. 
And I love talking about comedy. So it's exciting. Uh, if that part of the podcast seemed a little weird, uh, I stopped it because I got a call from the airlines about a flight that I booked. And I was waiting on them to call me back. So I came back in. But I love talking about comedy. Me and Chris talked about it a pretty good bit. And uh, it was fun. I had been to Des Moines almost a, four years to the date ago. In 2015, I went there and I featured for Dominique. Dominique, great comedian. I really enjoy her. And But it was a two-person show, and it's Dominique's audience. And Dominique's audience is not necessarily my audience. And it was a two-person show, so I was doing 30 minutes before her with no host. So I was going up cold to her audience and doing 30 minutes. And I wasn't bombing, but I wasn't doing good. And so I went back this time, and it felt very good to be redeemed. I enjoyed doing comedy there this weekend. I had a blast, and I hung out with uh, Chris Covey, like I said, and uh, uh, even my friend Ben Ben Marcotte came down from uh, Minneapolis to do a guest spot on Saturday. It was great to see him. I know him from Rochester, Minnesota, and uh, Club Goonies I used to do a little bit, and I like that club. It's a great club there in Rochester. And I hope to be back one day. I like that club a lot. And uh, so then from Des Moines, I went over to Kansas City. I did one night on a Sunday with uh, Nick Nichols and uh, um, Dustin Slintz. And uh, to be honest, it feels terrible, but I'm I'm blanking on the feature's name right now. But uh, very funny. Uh, I didn't anticipate on name-dropping a bunch of people, so I do apologize uh, man, that is unfortunate. I hate when I do that. But uh, uh, we had a good time. They were all very funny, and uh, I thought our shows were great. Funny but not memorable, huh? Well, uh, to be fair, I knew everyone's name going into this, and then I did several shows with uh, Chris Covey, and Chris also drove me around. He drove me around Des Moines a little bit so I could take some... Uh, yeah, I mean, to oh, the feature, I wouldn't feel... De- Devin Henderson is his name. Yeah, Devin, don't feel too bad. He still doesn't know when my birthday is. So. Yeah, yeah. But, no, Devin, uh, also very funny, and uh, Devin Henderson, that's his name. And uh, so, um, and Nick Nichols, uh, I thought that it was a stage name for a while. I thought he was saying, like, Nichols, like the change. Uh, like, nickel, you know, like the coin, Nick Nichols. Mm. But, no, his last name is Nichols, which I don't still don't know if it's a nickname, because... That's strange for your last name to be Nichols, but your parents to name you Nick. Yeah, but look at the street names around this nation of yours. I mean, people are naming things weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Nick, I thought I thought it was like a stage name for like money, but instead, of, but he's doing it in a comedy way. Instead of being like hundreds, it's Nichols. Nick Nichols. You know what I mean? I think that'd be fun. I mean, that sounds like a Southern name. That seems like he's got southern parents, or yeah, probably so. They're just up. They're just up for a laugh. But very funny. I mean, the the Kansas City Improv. That's where I did, and they've always been nice to me. The Can- I opened there for Ari Spears. The first weekend, Hannah and I went on the road together. We well, the second weekend, we went on the road together. We went to Kansas City, and I opened for Ari Spears. Uh, Scott Schaefer was the host, and we had a great time. It was a really fun. Um, and uh, I was in a hotel on about the ninth floor of the hotel, and I heard some commotion going on in the parking lot. And I looked out the window, and I could see down into the parking lot, and Ari Spears was yelling at somebody on the phone. And uh, the security came out, and they were trying to get him to be quiet, and he just kept yelling. And he walked way away out of the parking lot just to get away from the hotel. But I thought it was hilarious. We had a great time. And... Um, so Keith, uh, I don't know, I can't remember Keith's last name, McMillan maybe, but Keith is one of the managers at the club in Kansas City, and he has always uh, uh, helped me out. He booked me there one time to headline way back, and uh, I always appreciate them. It's a nice club. Both of those clubs are very nice. Des Moines, Funny Bone, Kansas City Improv. They're very nice to me. They've always taken care of me, and I appreciate it. I enjoy the cities. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to hang out much in Kansas City, but I did have some poke. Is it poke? Pokey? Poke bowl? Ooh, yeah, I want pokey right now. I did have a poke bowl and some frozen yogurt while I was there. And I rented a truck. I rented a, a black F-150 and drove from Des Moines to uh, 
to Kansas City, and man, that was a blast. I like that. I like thinking about you in a truck. Yeah, it was a nice truck. You deserve a truck. Currently, me and my wife, we have a Toyota Camry and a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, we roll around on Toyotas. Yeah, very nice cars, but <laughs> man, that Corolla is a small car, and that F-150, it felt good to drive. You are the kind of man that needs a truck. It felt good to drive. You need a truck, and you need a backyard. That's you true. You need to get dirt under your nails at least three days a week. That is very true. And then, um, uh, where we're going? Uh, well, also, last night I did comedy at the Grand Old Opry. Uh, it was very fun. My sister, uh, my niece, my nephew, uh, their friend, and her daughter all came up. And uh, then our friend Ashley uh, went to the Opry with us. Hannah, my wife. Me. Yeah. And uh, Tis I. It was a wonderful set. It was really fun. I think... I think that was your best set I've seen. I think I've seen you three times at the Opry now. I missed your first two times because I was a career woman five months ago. Yeah. Not anymore, though. And I've been to all your performances now, and I think last night was the best. I think so, too. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Felt good. Um, And um, so, and then now where we're going is I am going to Zany's Comedy Club tonight. I have my show there at Zany's, Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show. I have uh, Tim Lulies out of Virginia Beach, uh, Bone Hampton and Aaron Weber, who are locals. Uh, very funny. They travel around. They're touring comedians. But That's they, a tight show. There's only four of you, eh? Yeah, but they live locally. Yeah, I'm going to give them all a little time. Uh, so Aaron, Aaron Weber is actually doing the Grand Old Opry next week. He's going to take your title of youngest person at the Opry now, yeah. youngest comedian at the Opry. Yeah. Well, it's okay, though. Uh, you can always... I, I, I can always be the youngest at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Yes, I can. I mean, nah. That's that's a fake title. That's a that's a trying too hard title. Well, yeah. Youngest at the time. So I'll stand by it. Um, I won't back down from it. I, w- I will not stand by it. And I will back down. Well, you know, that's what you do. You know, you like to tear me down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, and then, so tonight at Zany's, very fun show. And then uh, tomorrow we're headed up to Springfield, Missouri. I have, uh, we may do uh, a teaser show on Thursday, but I don't know. So it'll be a, it'll be a guest show. They're going to do a show. We may be on it. We may not. Uh, Aaron will be going with me. Hen will be going, not doing comedy. She'll be going with me. And um, so me and Aaron may be on the show tomorrow night. We may not. It's a teaser show. You never will know until you come. Uh, but Friday and Saturday, we'll be doing shows there in Springfield, Missouri at the Blue Room Comedy Club. I'm very excited about it. Christopher Michael Ray is a friend, and he runs the club. I'm excited to see him, excited to go back. I got a lot of friends in Springfield now. It's going to be a great time. Going to be good time. Great. And then, so that's it. That's where we've been, where we're going. Now I'm going to talk about a little on the road. Uh, uh, like I say, uh, Chris Covey drove me around. And you know what? We'll do the on the road just for the sake of playing the bumper because it's fun. But then I want to do food on the road. We went to a place. Now what I'm doing now, I'm trying to do a new segment. I haven't published it yet. I've only done one. This was Hannah's idea. But it's called Eating Healthy with Dusty. All right? And we've done, we did one, we didn't title it, but we did one while we were in Pittsburgh. That video's coming. We've done, we've edited it mostly, but we got a little work to do. But that video's coming. And then what I did with Chris is uh, eating healthy with Dusty. We went to a place called Jethro's Barbecue, which Man vs. Food has been there. The Travel Channel's been there. Several places have been there. They've known for a lot of meat. And so I went with Chris, and I'm not eating virtually anything because my body stopped digesting and i don't know what's going on with me i'm fading away but um the don't uh, sound so morbid you aren't fading away you're just 35 years old and you've been living on an american diet for too long down here right so chris had a sandwich he had uh a, a, a giant sandwich it was pulled pork ham bacon and a fried pork tenderloin and the, that, that hung out. Hung out giant. It was twice the size. So he cut it in half and double-stacked the pork tenderloin. I don't know how, there, how else you'd eat it. And then he ate most of it, mostly all of it. And then I had a salad and some beans. Uh, even most of the beans I didn't eat. So I had a few of them. 
it was probably the most disappointing order they had ever had. See, Dusty kind of looks like the kind of guy that's sitting in the back of a dirty old bar with people smoking inside, and he looks like the kind of guy at the back of the bar stool just chugging beers and smoking cigarettes and eating fried chicken. But he doesn't do any of that. So sometimes when you go out for food and, you know, I had drinks with people, people are really disappointed because you're just like a vegan underneath. Well, people are disappointed with everything now. I mean, it's like <laughs> I can't really work on cars. I don't drink. I have I haven't had a cigar in two months. I uh, and now I can't eat anything. Yeah, I mean, you got to just go hang out with some ladies at a yoga studio. <laughs> yeah, so you well, can swap notes on smoothies. Yeah, I do love a smoothie, but also I've cut out so many different kinds of vegetables and fruits that it's supposedly not good. But I'm taking an allergy test, a body allergy test tomorrow to find out what I'm allergic to and what's causing me the problem so that I can heal. My sister just told me that she knew a guy, him and his wife, he w- he was he was sick, like terminally ill, and he moved to where? Where did he move? The Cayman Islands. And he started eating their food, immediately got better. Mm-hmm. Every time he comes to visit the United States, he eats for a couple of days, gets sick again. Oh, without question, I believe that. Yeah, so... There's something going on down here. Yeah, so... I don't know. So I'm trying to trying to heal, trying to make my life better. So that's what's going on. But uh, but also, in case people wonder, well, what was your wife doing? I've been cooking. Yeah. But he can't really eat a lot. So that's like, you know, I, I can't cook any potatoes or meat. So I'm just mostly mixing up various kinds of greens. It's like, what can we cook with kale today? This is what Let's I'm, find out. This is what I made recently. We got a pressure cooker and I cooked a bunch of lentils. And then I made a lentil patty and fried it in a pan. By, by fried, I mean I just heated it up with some olive oil, and then and garlic, and then I put that on two pieces of Ezekiel bread with some lettuce and onions. It's delicious. Yeah, lentil burger. It's delicious. Yeah, I'm all about it. I mean, mustard always kicks things up too. You put yeah, a put a little mustard, mustard a little yellow mustard on there. All things that are listed under the current diet that I'm on. So we'll see. But uh, but that's exciting, and we have. Advice coming. This is uh, week eight, season two, and this is going to be about hosting and featuring. But you know what? I was thinking about it as I was writing this. It's like I covered so much of this really in week seven about getting into clubs. So much of this information is the same. So I thought what I would do was try to set the tone for a little bit of my journey and a little bit about what I've been on. That way you can understand what what goes into being a regular host and feature because it's so much more than just doing the comedy. So much more goes into it. And um, so I just think that you need to love comedy in order to make this part work. This part, to me, is the most difficult part of the journey thus far because, you know, up until this point, you know, you've, you've just been doing uh, local shows, uh, bar shows, doing a little bit at the club. If you've been following the format, I mean, you've been doing it for a bit and you've been getting up various places, but you've not actually been having to reach out and try to get booked. So this is going to be the difficult part. So I'm going to just talk about my journey. And then I'm going to get into a little information on how I think that you can best go about doing it. This is called Week 8, Hosting and Featuring. And now, you know, I wrote this stuff down. So even though I am just prefaced it, I'm going to also preface it in what I've already wrote. So Week 8, Hosting and Featuring. I'd like to start by saying for this podcast and any other podcast I put out, there is no clear path to being successful as a comic, and my method may not work for you. There are no guarantees in comedy, and what people view as success are different. I worked for about 14 years doing lots of different jobs, mostly all restaurant and retail, but I did a lot of it. I decided those things weren't for me, but after doing comedy for quite a while. Does that make sense? Yeah. I decided they weren't for me, but only after doing comedy for a long time, years. And, and for six years, I was messing around with comedy. But it took me that long for several reasons. One, because I drank too much. I was mainly doing comedy for attention. It was all about the hang. I would go out and do comedy, have people come up to me, say, great set, 
and then we'd get drunk. It was amazing. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced. Comedy, comedy had opened up a door for me that I thought had died with high school. My favorite thing of all my time in school was to make the whole class laugh. It was worth going to school just to get that laugh. I might get the opportunity to make the servers laugh in a huddle meeting before my shift at Hyman's or in the break room of a Home Depot, but big laughs were gone. I was settling into my life. I was wasted every night, having a good time, and then hungover every day. And then I found improv. I did three improv classes, stand up four or five times, and then quit. I loved these things when they went well. But when they didn't, it was terrible. It was like total rejection on stage and then rejection in the bar after. Sure, you could laugh it off with your buddies, but how many times could I really do that? I couldn't figure out how to write a joke. I couldn't figure out how to talk about me and my observations were terrible. Uh, I'd like to talk about uh, when I, in 2004, I had done a little bit of comedy. And I had just started working at Hyman's. And actually, I had been at Hyman's for about a year. But I, I started at, at the beginning of 2004. And then by that next year, the Christmas party, by the end of 2004, they wanted me to do comedy at the Christmas party. And I did. And it was a blast. I was having a good time. I wrote some jokes for people. I wrote some Hyman's jokes. I wrote some roast jokes. I was crushing it. But the, the bar had been double booked, two parties. So one party had to we had to shut down the music they had to stop dancing so that i could do comedy i was so new in comedy i didn't realize yet how bad of a thing that was but so uh, i was drunk up there doing my thing and then the other party started heckling us and then they ended up shutting shutting me down and turning the music back on and it was a big deal and there was tension between our restaurant and the other restaurant it was a big deal and 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 hyman's and i had a you know i had a bit of a temper when i would drink sometimes and Hyman's had given me uh, a picture. They had given me the f uh, most, the funniest employee award, or something like that. They made up an award for me, and they put it in a frame, and it was framed in glass. And they gave it to me. It was great. It was exciting. And I was at the bar, and the bartender, when he closed out my tab, didn't give me my card back. So I got mad at the bartender for not giving me my card back because I could have left and forgot the card. And then I was like, and I and I went to make a point to him. I just wanted to show him that I was frustrated. And I took the frame and I slammed it down on the side on the bar. And then the glass shattered. <laughs> and uh, they gave it to you that night, and it shattered right then. Yeah, I broke it on the on the bar. On the same night they gave it to you. Yeah. Oh, jeez. We weren't in the restaurant. We were at a different restaurant. Okay. So yeah, it was ridiculous. That's terrible, though. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> So and then so I shatter the the glass. Yeah, yeah. I, and this is the You're good real story. Real drunk, Dusty. I know, I know. And then so I shatter it on there, and then I go get in the elevator to get out of the place. And I'm in there with the bartender, the bouncer, and one of the managers. The manager jumped in the elevator with me because he thought the bouncer and the bartender were going to try to fight me. And uh, but I got out and went home, and it was fine. So he's Dusty. And then so that was early in comedy, and then. I think two years later, I had done comedy a time or two, and they asked me to do comedy at the Christmas party again. And I was like, and I barely did comedy, but I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I was wearing overalls to do comedy at the time and no shoes, right? So I put. Not really too far from what you wear now on stage. <laughs> all right. So, so I broke it out, right? I broke out the overalls and no shoes, and I went on stage and I did, I was doing comedy. And my, the, the people that worked at Hyman's were heckling me. They were heckling me. The comedy was bombing. It was going terrible. I think I've told this story before, but it was going terrible. And I, when I was done, I put the mic in the mic stand. I went out the back door. I was going to escape, but there was a fence, like a big, big wooden fence, privacy fence. So I climbed the fence with the overalls to get out of there. And then I walked home and didn't do comedy for years. You just left your work party like that? Yes. I was so embarrassed. Oh. I was so embarrassed. But they weren't all your friends? Like, they didn't, they weren't just like, ah, he bombed, but that's our friend Dusty. Uh, I'm sure. 
but I was so embarrassed. I mean, I, <laughs> we've all been there. Let's not act like you haven't had a bad set and been embarrassed with yourself and didn't want to face even your own friends. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's not act like that's not a reality. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to understand your thinking. Like, leave. Like, you know, a, a party. Like, that's like a big event. That's that's like that's very conspicuous for you to just kind of leave like well, that. I, I'm just trying to tell my journey because I'm trying to paint a picture. Because people now, when they look at me doing comedy, they just think that you know I I must have never had a bad set and that even bad sets I handle well. Yeah, with a voice like that, he probably just gets laughs because of his voice. All right. Well, I don't understand. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just trying to, I don't understand what you're doing. So I'm, you're confusing me with your, no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so the point is what I'm trying to set the stage to say, it hasn't always been going well. So I did that at the Christmas party. Right. I left early. I was going to see him again. It's not like I abandoned my friends. I just left the party. My life was a party every night. I was going out to the bars every night. It's not like the Christmas party was a big deal. Okay. So then I quit comedy. I had one good year at it and then I quit for four years. And then my friend John Brennan uh, uh, called me, and he got me to perform at a variety show he was doing. I asked him for some help with a joke. I memorized it, and I did this joke uh, for my first time back on stage in 2008. Uh, the joke is called The Alphabet Story, and it's on my first album, Making That Fudge. Uh, it's on – I may play it at the end of this as we fade out of this, or it's on Spotify uh, called The Alphabet Story. This joke has changed a lot. Many people have added tags to this joke, uh, and I always wished it had a better ending, but I wasn't doing the wave joke back then. So, you know, and uh, that night, uh, after doing that show with John Brennan, I left Theater 99 in Charleston after performing this bit for the first time back on stage in four years, and it crushed. I went home sober, but like I was high on drugs, you know, not that I would know anything about that. And I texted my friend, and I said, I want to do this more. And then I started writing jokes. I wanted to do comedy all the time. I was doing well enough to where even the bad sets were easy to deal with because I would just rewrite the joke or ask a friend for help, and I would try it again. I wanted the joke to be really good because if a joke doesn't make people laugh, is it funny? Is it even a joke? I say all this to say it's easier to love comedy when you're doing it well or when you're doing well and that means working and making your jokes better all the time. Because in order to be a success on the road, you're going to need to love doing comedy. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. What do you have to add at this point? Uh, nothing. Okay. Whether you are hosting or featuring, the money is not good. I'm not going to say what typical pay is, but it's not good. Um, some clubs pay pretty well, and some are shockingly low. But if you plan on flying to do either, forget about making money. So people get taken. Some people get taken on the road, and their flights are paid for, and the pay is good. I never had anything like that, at least not until 11 years into doing comedy. I think that is mainly because I've never lived in New York City or L.A. My friend Chris Killian took me on the road in 2015 for all his Comedy Zone dates. Comedy Zone books a lot of rooms in the Southeast and the Midwest. These were very low pay, but were really pivotal in helping me become a comic. Doing quote-unquote bad rooms helped me develop thicker skin, the ability to handle a rowdy room because nobody was kicking anybody out of there. I mean, these rooms, people said whatever they wanted to say to you on stage. They never got in trouble. And it taught me how to write less hipstery jokes without completely losing that side of me. Um, plus, I got to ride around the southeast with my friend Chris Killian, doing terrible shows and some good ones too, and trying to meet women. Okay. Ooh. Okay. And I'm just telling you what we were doing. Huh. I said trying. And uh, Chris mm -hmm. Chris did pretty well. But the... Um, Hi, Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to say, when I say that about Comedy Zone, Comedy Zone does have some really good rooms. But they, are, they franchise out, so there's a lot of bad ones out there, too. Charlotte, great room. Jacksonville, very fun. Uh, Greenville, great room. Uh, I, was loving, I was living in an attic apartment making no money, but I loved doing comedy. And like Charlie Daniel says, I ain't got no money, but I dang sure got it made. 
right? But I was also simultaneously working the Funny Bones and improvs. I auditioned at the Columbus Funny Bone and was given 11 weekends on the spot. Those were my highest paid feature gigs. 2015 was a golden year for me. I was on Last Comic Standing. I got into the Laughing Skull Festival, my first big festival. I had a ton of Comedy Zone gigs and a ton of Funny Bone and Improv gigs. I was all set, ready to just ride the wave. And rise. Ride the... I mean, I thought, man, I got it in the pocket. I got the comedy thing figured out. Yeah, I mean, especially those Dave Stroop gigs now that I've met other comics. I mean, most people that audition for him, maybe they'll get like two or three gigs in a year, but you got like 12. He booked you on 12 gigs in one year. I think I got 14 in the 14, end. 14, that's crazy. And I thought, that's a lot. I thought that's a I lot of work all I had it made, but then but I didn't get out of the first round on Last Comic Standing, and I never showed up on TV. I lost in the first round of the Laughing Skull Festival, Chris Killian took another career opportunity and I quit and quit working the road, so I lost all my Comedy Zone gigs. And by 2016, I had no more gigs from the Funny Bones and Improvs. Plus a dependent. Yeah, they would not book me. Yes, and then my wife had moved down here. Who, <laughs> it was my girlfriend at the time who was uh, on a visa where she could only uh, work in entertainment. So, but... That's why I'd like you... I was like, well, you better start paying rent. In the end of, at the end of this, though, I would like you to attest to my method here. All right? So, I thought I was on easy street, and I was back to square one. But I discovered new bookers, got into new clubs, put together tours, and got some help. Now I'll tell you what I did in both instances and what I learned. And I learned that there is no easy street in comedy. You have to put in the work. Okay? Yeah. Last week, I talked about getting emails and building a list. This is week eight in my series, but week seven could take years. Hopefully not, but it could. Either way, between week seven and week eight, you should have been able to track down quite a few emails. If you haven't already, begin to email them. Once a month, every month, set a timer in your phone. Mark it on your calendar. Once a month, every month. It doesn't have to be all in one day. If you have 20 emails, you can do five a week if you want. For me, it was always easier to do it all in one day. And this brings us back to the three Ps. Polite, patient, persistence. Polite because just be a nice person anyway, but also you're asking them to pay you money. Be polite about it. Patient because this is not going to happen nearly as fast as you want it to, even if it should. It's different for everyone, but I always say to send the emails and expect to get zero response. Just just send the emails and forget that you sent them because chances are you're going to get zero responses. And persistent because you'll want to quit. You'll say, pardon the language, you'll say, this is bullshit. I'm better than half the people. They're booking and I can't ever get a response. This is not working for me. That's something that I've said in my head many times, and I know a lot of comics who have said that. We all feel that way at some time. But if you've listened to every week leading up to this, if you are putting in the work and treating people well, it will pay off. Hard work always pays off. Even if in the end you quit comedy, you've learned what it takes to succeed, and you can carry that into other aspects of your life into your next venture. The first initial email to a club. Make it short, but make it nice. Maybe find out some information about the club and city. Tell the booker why you want to perform at their club. Give them a genuine compliment. Not about their personal appearance. Don't be like, I've always wanted to perform at your club because I hear you got hot waitresses. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Something nice about the club, you know, like, hey, you know, I know a lot about Pittsburgh's history. I think it's a great steel city, and I'd love to get up there and just explore the city, and I hear that your club is wonderful. I hear you have 446 bridges. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like I've heard about the uh, Homestead Rebellion in 1892. I'd like to come check that out. Yeah, I mean, people love to be complimented. I've said this before, so find something genuine and compliment them and also there are clubs that you're going to want to work so why do you want to work them why do you want to work that club and then tell that club that 
Then include a very short description of your comedy. Mention other clubs you performed at, festivals, TV credits, and any other accolades. Then include a link to a video on YouTube. Make sure it's not set to private because if they have to jump through hoops to watch it, they won't watch it. If you're looking to host, you'll need to do at least 15 minutes. And if you're looking to feature, you'll need to be able to do 30 minutes. So when it came to sending videos, I would send one two- to three-minute video of me being really funny and then send a 30-minute video of me being really funny. And I would label it three-minute video and 30-minute video. And on the video, be funny in the first 30 seconds. Not all, And not all local references. You know, I mean, if you're opening the set with, like, a bunch of jokes about the towns and they're crushing, that may be great, uh, but send them something to where they can actually get the joke, to where the person watching it can get it and laugh. And the reason I would do these two videos, now I don't know, no one's ever said to me this is a good method, no one ever said this is right, but this is why I like it. Because if I'm a booker and I'm sitting there and i got a million videos to watch, um, I don't necessarily want to sit and watch a 30-minute video right away. But a two- to three-minute video, that could be enough to pique their interest. If you have a two- to three-minute video and they open it up and there's you on stage getting laughs, being funny, boom, 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 hitting it, they're going to be like, wow, this guy's funny. And then they'll see that you have the 30-minute video. They may watch it. They may not. But the 30-minute video is to prove that you can do the amount of time that you're asking them to do. If you're saying, hey, I want a feature, well, they may need you to do 30 minutes, so they need to know that you can do it. But don't count on them not watching it, so send a good video that shows you getting laughs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And then I would send a list of every weekend I'm open for the next three months, Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Write these dates of every weekend all three months. List actual dates. Make it neat. And this is what I mean by that. Like today um, is Wednesday, August 7th. This is 2019. Wednesday, August 7th. So... What I would send this weekend, your avails, would be 8 through 11. You'd say I'm open 8 through 11, and then the next weekend, 15 through 18, then 22 through 25. If you're looking at a calendar, that makes sense. But if you send a list like that, it lets them know, all right, you're open all these weekends. Some clubs book you know, Thursday through Saturday, some Thursday through Sunday, some just Friday and Saturday. So that's why a Thursday through Sunday covers all those. And, if, and say you're not open on a Thursday. We'll just send Friday through Sunday. Just send what you have, but send you know what when you're available. And I would do this at least three months of these. You could send more if you'd like, but don't send the entire year. Max, send six months. Then maybe include a small headshot and a link to your website. You can copy and paste most of this one email to the next, from one email to the next, but write a personal note to every person you send it to. Uh, the people on the other end are not monsters or machines. They read the emails. Make it pleasant for them to open your email. Not then, like, hey, yo, I like to work your club. Right, exactly. I mean, don't send some short email that doesn't make sense. Make sure that you're spelling correctly. And, and, and you know, uh, my friend uh, Chris Covey that I worked with this weekend asked me why uh, I don't want people to send cell phone videos. And I thought, you know what, I should, I should uh, correct something. I think our cell phones are so good now. My cell phone video records in 4K. So just make sure that it – you can. so I think it's fine to record with a cell phone. But just make sure it doesn't look like it's recorded with a cell phone. Yeah, because a lot of cell phones have those black bars on the side. Yeah, so don't – Where you can clearly see it's a cell phone, and it doesn't look as good. That's right. why. Well, I mean, no, but I'm saying if you turn the camera horizontally – and film, and you have a new phone that films in 4K, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, so turn it horizontally. Right, so that's what I'm saying. Just make sure it doesn't look like it's from a cell phone. And also, um, another reason is because my cell phone uh, costs more than the camera that I that I bought. My cell phone has a lot of personal information on it. I have a lot of things that I don't want to lose. And if someone steals my video camera that I bought for 200 bucks, I'm going to be mad but not nearly as mad as I am if I lose my phone. So and the other issue is, yeah, I mean, you're leaving your phone 
Right, I said, or you're leaving a phone. I mean, I guess you could get a friend to record it on their phone, but it's like get, get your own get your own camera. I just say get a camera because I like a phone on stage with me. I like to set my timer. I like to, you know, I mean, that's how I time myself on stage all the time, so that you know, if I if someone forgets to give me the light, actually, that happened to me on Monday. I did a show at Zany's on Monday, and I was supposed to do ten to twelve minutes. They said they would give me a light at ten. They didn't give me a light. I ended up doing 15, which is fine in the end, but uh, I would have liked to have been able to stick to my time. Um, and then uh, next month, then the next month, so you've sent this email, you've sent all this information in. Then the next month, go back into the email you sent them last month and reply to that email so that they can see that you emailed them last month. That way you don't have to go, hey, it's me again. They can see that you've emailed them two months in a row, uh, and then write something different. Give them a f- give them fresh avails, and hopefully, at least you have a new two to three minute video to share. Maybe your thirty minute video is the same. Maybe you couldn't get a better one in a month, but most people will begin to notice that you are being persistent, but also remaining polite and patient. And when you do get a response and get booked on a weekend, be gracious. Say thank you. Make them feel good for giving you a gig, giving you an opportunity, and don't complain about the pay. This is what I would always say about pay. I would always ask this question. I would say, hey, just for my own budget, I'd like to know, can you tell me how much I'll be paid and you know, and whatnot, and will there be a hotel? Because sometimes bookers won't give you that information, and I do like to know that stuff up front. I don't want to go show up and do a weekend and then find out at the end of the weekend that they actually only pay $75. You know, so I'd like to know that. So, but do that in a polite way. And 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 uh, I've made long, long drives for very little pay. If it's a single club that gives you a weekend, maybe give them a couple of months off of sending avails. Like if this club is an independent club, it's just one club, and they give you a gig, maybe don't email them next month for more avails. Wait a couple, and then follow up with avails uh, towards the end of the year. And once they see you and you do well, it should be easier to get gigs with them. If it's a booking agency that has tons of gigs, I just keep sending them avails every month unless they tell you to stop. And that's my best advice for getting booked uh, and be willing to make sacrifices. I have two more pages here. I'm not sure exactly what I wrote, but uh, what Only do you— Only one way to find out. you got to read it, Dusty. What do you think about what I've said so far? I mean, I really like what you said, and I think that that's all sound advice. Okay, great. All right. And then, I, see, I wrote all of that on the flight on the way to Des Moines, and then I wrote the rest on the flight on the way back. So I don't know what this says. But when you finally get booked and you're in the club, just assume that everyone is paying attention to how you conduct yourself. Show up 30 minutes prior to showtime. Traffic is rarely a good excuse. And I've showed up really, really early before, and then I just sit in the car and wait until it was time to go in. Uh, It's better to do that than it is to show up late. I don't like to be running around. I don't like to be stressed before the show. I like to be calm and cool. But maybe you don't want to get into the club an hour early. But you want to be there 30 minutes early, even if you look uncool. It also could stress out the staff that you're late. And then you show up, and and they're probably professional, so they're not going to you know, say something rude to you, but they might, you know, give you attitude or something or not be friendly. And then you start your weekend off being like, what's that manager's problem? You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Each new gig is like a new job. Show them that you're the right person for the job. Treat everyone with respect and be professional and show the club what you came to show them, meaning that you can do this. Getting booked is a process. Enjoy the process. Learn from it. Once you get an agent, you won't do it anymore. But it's important to understand because now I have an agent and they get me gigs and I'm like, wow, this is amazing how easy this is. But I only can appreciate how easy it is because I've had to work for it all along the way. Uh, My friend Lucy uh, for a while uh, was, was an agent of sorts for me. Now, Lucy is not an agent. So uh, I wouldn't say she was my agent, but she really helped me out a lot. Um, you know, she, she was able to reach out for gigs. I mean, maybe someone, you know, you know, don't ask Lucy to do that because that was not the arrangement. I didn't just go and ask Lucy. It was set up a different way. Um, and it We was, paid her. Yes, and it was through the club. But I'm saying, yeah, do not 
ask Lucy to do this. But um, it was set up, you know, through the club and through a manager that I had. And it was, you know, it was a it was a deal. And I think that, you know, if you wherever you're at your local club, you know, if, if you're doing well, if you're doing really well and you have a good support system, they may be willing to help you out in this way. But if you do find someone like that, pay them 10 percent for every gig that you get. That's what agent fees are. And that's what's going to help them want to book you. But you have to be someone that they believe in, right? So an agency takes you on after they see what you do and they believe in you and they care about you. And, uh, you know, and it's like, so don't just go asking people to do it. You know, you can say, hey, I, you know, you could say to someone, uh, I need, you know, I, I need some help finding gigs. Any chance you guys will be willing to help me? The club. Ask the club that. Um you know, and and respect their answers. You know, but don't. You know, I'm I'm saying for sure, don't ask Lucy. <laughs> okay, and uh, but I want to give Lucy credit for helping me because it was great, and that's why I'm saying it. But again, don't ask Lucy. Uh, and uh, do you have Lucy's number though? <laughs> I, just, I haven't talked to her in a while. And, and this is something that I've heard other people do. I'm not necessarily giving this advice, but I've heard other people doing this. Create a fake email and pretend to be your own agent. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a bad idea. I never did it, but I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, when I did that tour in Washington State, the girls that I went to L.A. with, they told me to do that. And then we did that, but it's like, I mean, when you're messaging independent clubs, I just don't. I mean, people just can just Google you and know if you're a big deal or not. Right. So it's kind of like. Right. But do what you have to do. Getting booked is hard. That's why it's important to build a good reputation for yourself on and off the stage. I know some guys. I know several comics. Great comics. Some of them sober now. And they will tell me that they had it made with bookers. They were getting booked everywhere. But a couple of really drunk instances messed them up. And it's taken them a while to get back into getting booked again. So building that reputation is important. Um, This will help you get rebooked, and other clubs may recommend you. But you have to be putting in the work and be honest with yourself about how you're doing. Nothing leads to bitterness faster than thinking you are better than you are and are mad about not getting booked. There are lots of funny people. Be funny, but find your way to be different. Be uniquely different. And do your best to be a pleasure to be around. And this week, just give someone a genuine compliment. And if this podcast has been helpful to you, go and give a positive review on iTunes for us. I would like that. We have nothing but positive reviews. And we don't have a ton of them, but we have a lot. And uh, I appreciate all the reviews. But, you know, give us a positive review if you'd like. And uh, share it with someone. And also... People have been sharing it, and I want to say that I appreciate it. I don't want to name names because there's too many people, and I think that if I um, if I say uh, a name and I leave somebody off, it'll you know it hurt their feelings, and I don't. But but do you know? Someone told me, and I don't know if I've said this before. I feel like I've been repeating myself a lot. Sorry, there's a siren. We live near a fire station, and apparently there's a lot of fires. But you know, I used to work for this guy. And I, I think I've said this story before, but I'm just – it's quick. But I told him that there was this girl that was working at a Lowe's, and she had gotten a new haircut. And I told him that I thought her haircut looked really nice. And he said, well, you should tell her that. And I was like, well, I think it would be weird. You know, I don't want to just go up and compliment her. And he told me to get into a habit of complimenting people. He's like, compliment your friends, compliment guys, girls. Get into a habit of giving people genuine compliments and then it it doesn't become weird. It's not weird. I compliment people all the time, sometimes too much. But um, I'll tell them that I like their shirt, I like their pants, I like their haircut. Uh, but but only when I do. I, I only compliment people when I do like things. And that's why I say again about other comic sets. If you're at if you're at local shows and you're struggling to make friends, one way to make friends is to give them a genuine compliment on one of their jokes. Not great joke but tell them why you like the joke and that way they'll go not only is this person listening to me but they're paying attention and they enjoy what i do that may not make them be your friend right away but it'll make them have an appreciation uh for you know what you're doing you know just appreciation for you in general i think being the kind of person that people enjoy being around 
is is awesome. And especially in this time that we're living in where social media has taken over everything and people are so hostile on social media, it's nice to meet people that are just genuinely pleasant to be around. And Hannah. Yeah? I'd like you to share. Now, this method is a method you followed. You moved down from Toronto to Nashville. You moved from a major comedy city. Rooms every night. Hip, (laughs) multicultural, um, diverse. You moved from that to Nashville. And you started doing comedy, but you followed this method. The method of reaching out to bookers. Yeah, and, that oh, I just yeah. talked about it. And, I, and, and I'd like you to Sorry, share... could you repeat it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to okay. share a little bit about that journey. The ups and the downs of it. Um, do you want to prompt me with questions? Well, yes, because... All right, well, maybe it'd be better... All right, I'll say this. I know there was some... Because I can just say this about myself, but it helps if, if they also know that somebody else was going through this, right? Because, you know, I mean, oftentimes they might think because I, when you moved down here, I was a bit ahead of you already. I was already getting these bookers. I already had the – now, comedy-wise, we, we've been doing it relatively the same amount of time. Okay. I'll, well, my first advice is start dating a comic who is well-respected in the scene. <laughs> now, but that's – Well, what, I mean, let's be honest, though. That did help because there's certainly – I felt like I was more welcomed in this scene than – it helps certain avenues in Toronto. It helps locally, but it didn't help you on the road. That's no. what I want to talk about. Yeah, I think in certain instances, people are like he just she just getting it because of her husband. Well, speak I'm up not, though. Gonna, I know you're I'm trying not to do. give her gigs because she just getting handouts for her husband. That's how they talk in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, here's the thing is, yeah, uh, I moved down here my first week here. I got it and I'd already actually performed at Zany's once and it wasn't, a, I didn't have a good set. Um, but then the second time when I actually moved down here, I got it. I was put on a showcase by Lucy at Zany's and I had a really good showcase and I, and I knocked it out of the park and the owner of the club was there that night. And everybody seemed really surprised that Dusty's Canadian girlfriend, who does comedy, was actually funny. And I don't think anyone really thought I was going to be funny. Um, so so I actually got booked that weekend to host a weekend for Steve Ranazizi. And it was really cool. And, and so that was sort of my introduction at Zany's and... Um, and my first year in, in America, I mostly worked at Zany's. I hosted. Right. I hosted a lot. Well, what I, what I want to talk about, though, is your, your – so This is why I need you to prompt me. All right. Well, know? this is this is what I'm trying to do. I okay. said, you know, it will help locally. But I, I think that what, what I'm more interested in hearing about is you sending the avails and getting booked out-of-town gigs because – you know, oh. what, what I'm saying is, is is you send these avails every month and you expect not to get any responses and it be- can become very frustrating. Well, so at times you were very frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Because I sort of saw what you were doing and you seemingly were working every week, um, every weekend. You were, you you know, you were driving all over the country and I thought, well, that I could just do that. And so that's what I tried to do. And so, you know, you would give me these emails and I would email them and I would send them my video and my credentials and, and, um, and for the most part, not very many people got back to me, but a Sometimes few, but a no few people did. Yeah. Most times no one, but honestly, what really helped me my first year was I applied to a bunch of comedy festivals and I got into a, a bunch of comedy festivals. I got into the Laughing Skull. I got into Limestone my first year. And um, so through getting into Laughing Skull, I got passed in Atlanta and then, you know, started to go to Atlanta a lot for shows and make friends with the, all the people there in that scene. And then uh, Limestone, I got passed at the Comedy Addict. And, I, you know, I've worked there several times now at the Comedy Addict. And... Um, met a lot of comedians that makes it easier for me to go on the road and I mean it's a real hodgepodge I think the general thing that I did was just do all those things that Dusty's been talking about I sent emails every month if it was within reasonable driving distance I would drive up for a showcase to showcase for the club 
Um, and when I got booked on shows, I always tried to do my best. I also, something I started doing when I worked at, when I moved down here was started to develop a clean set, which definitely is not something I was ever working on. Um, and you know, because I was a female comedian from Canada and I'm in the South, I quickly realized that you know, there was a little bit of a disconnect with the kind of things I was talking about and what I was trying to do, which was work a lot in the South and relate to, you know, rural audiences at times, conservative audiences at times, and people that just grew up different than me. So I started to actively work on my act in a way that I knew would uh, help me to connect with the audiences down here better and thus get good reports from the clubs so I could work again. And uh, I know I don't drink ever at a club. I don't do drugs. So, you know, having too many drinks or, you know, getting aggressive with staff has never been an issue with me. Uh, I don't drink and drive or anything like that. I mean, you know, I just kind of keep my... Sometimes I smoke cigarettes, you know. <laughs> sometimes I smoke cigarettes. But never in the club. So... But, but yes, that's, this is all great. But you... So you can... Prompt me. You got to prompt No, me. no, this is all great. This oh, is all okay. great. And so you... But you continued, even through frustration, uh, sometimes you continued to send those emails every yeah. month. You were very diligent about sending emails. Right. Okay. So now I know where you're going with this. Okay. So yeah, I mean, my first year, two years here, I I was pretty frustrated because I was working, but I wasn't working enough to make a living. I mean, it's like, luckily I had, you know, money from Canada and, uh, and so I was just living off my savings, but you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So I rarely felt an onus to make money and I wasn't really doing that. And it was, you know, you don't make a lot of money featuring. You don't make a lot of money hosting. So it just it just was sad. But I kind of just stuck to the process and I kept emailing. And then, you know, and then I ended up um, getting hired last year and a little bit of this year to work with Jimmy Pardo a bunch because, you know, I worked with him and he liked me and he brought me on the road. So sort of like things just kind of start to happen, you know. And before I, and I, and it's so funny cause you don't even notice it when it starts happening. Um, but I remember two years ago I was in a panic that I was never working. And then this year, I, I mean, I just, I was working all the time. I was working every single weekend, uh, driving, you know, not luxurious gigs like, you know, Dusty's flying around all the time. No, I was a true road dog driving one weekend to Kansas City, the next weekend to Arkansas, the next weekend to North Carolina. Then I was in Washington State. I mean, it's like every weekend I'm driving somewhere. And so, you know, it went from very little to too much, you know, and it just kind of happens. And it can be very exhausting. It can really wear you out doing it. But that I just wanted Hannah to share that because it's like it took a couple of years to really build up that. But once she built it up, she was getting gigs every weekend. Yeah, now which, I turn down gigs. Yeah, which is exactly what happened to me. I mean, that's what I was doing for for years. You know, for a couple of years, I was, you know, I was working fairly steadily. But it's like I I, I got luck. You know, it's like I spent six years living in Charleston, getting good at comedy, and never trying to work the road. So by the time I started working the road, I was already good at comedy. I had a lot of material. But then, you know, I was I was lucky that, you know, Chris, um, you know, I worked with him one weekend and we really hit it off. But that's another thing. It's like I was a nice person. I was pleasant to be around. Chris had me on his show at Zany's and he didn't really know who I was, but he enjoyed my comedy and he liked hanging out with me. And he was like, hey, do you want to do these comedy zone gigs with me? And I was like, yeah. So I got booked on a ton of those with him. And then I auditioned for Dave Stroop that that first year and I ended up getting a bunch of gigs with him too that's with the funny bones and improvs and but that 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 audition is um you get one shot and either you get the gigs or you don't and I got the gigs so it's like that's why it's it's important to be ready and take everything seriously when you get it yeah and also you know we've witnessed a lot of instances where 
you know, someone gets a showcase and maybe they're not ready yet, you know? And sometimes that happens at Just for Laughs, you know? And it's kind of cold comfort. I mean, I don't know what to say because, you know, you just hear like, oh, you want to get these things and then, you know, you get them and then you kind of have a bad showcase and it's in front of people that can really make a difference in your career. So if, you know, you don't get invited to these things that you feel ready for and want to do, I mean, take heart, you know, because trust that maybe they're right. Maybe you're not ready yet, you know? And there also is going to be times when you have to make sacrifices and changes and it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but it's like making, doing things gracefully and, and always being nice about it, no matter what is very important because you never know what's going to happen. And, and someone, you know, today, um, you know, it's just like when I used to work at Lowe's, right? There would be, you know, someone would be a regular employee on the aisle and they would be in no position to help you. But you may be rude to that person for whatever reason. In your head, you're like, it doesn't matter. They're just an employee at the store. And then next weekend, they get promoted to the department manager, and now you're trying to get them to let you build displays on the aisle. And they're like, no, nah, you were rude to me last week, and now you want me to give you something on the aisle? So it's like you never know who's going where. So just always be polite to people. Yeah. You know? I feel great about that. I yeah. felt like this was a, been a hot podcast. I've been thinking about eating a poke bowl the whole time. Have you? Yeah. Is there something else that you'd like to share? Um, no. I just, all right, so let's do, uh, well, that was great. I hope that people enjoyed that. As always, send questions, send comments to DustySlayComedy.com, at gmail.com. I have been, people have been sending me stuff. I have been reading them, and I've been wanting to read some stuff on on the podcast, but I have been on the go. Next week uh, may be a struggle. We're going to try to get the podcast done. We're going to get it. Sunday of next week, but we have... We come back on Sunday, and then we leave again on Monday. So um, next week's going to be a bit of a struggle. It may come out super early. It may come out Sunday night. So Could we record it in, like, with our with that portable mic? No, nah, probably not. We well, try, we've done that before. We tried to do it one time, and I think we lost the recording. Did we? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's true. Is it? Yeah, I think we did do it. Well, I like this one, and I want to keep the quality up. I like what we're doing. Well, you can't have quality if you don't have anything. If you don't have anything, there's no quality. Well, just know that if something happens and it doesn't come out next week, we apologize about that, but we will be back on track. But we're going to try to put it out next week. But uh, we appreciate everybody listening. If we don't, I'll be guilt and dusty. And I want to just say, uh, as for music, um, I put out a new video on YouTube, a new Dusty Slay's top five country songs, and I did it about the working man. And uh, I think it's a very fun video. I think it's my best, it's without a doubt my best top five country songs that I've done. And uh, I think it's funny. I think it's well produced and uh, it's great. And so go check it out. Check out my YouTube. Also, I got verified on Instagram. Wow, yeah, let's address that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dusty you know. had his second birthday of the year, August 6th. <laughs> Let August 6th forever be known as the day Dusty got verified yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, I got a blue check now on Instagram. Yeah. I am officially very famous. Yeah, and then me and Dusty always joke, like, oh, you think you're better than me? You think you're, you think you're better than me now? Now I know Dusty's better than me. I am not He got better. a little blue check mark on I'm him. I'm not better than anyone, but yeah. it is exciting. So now are you going to do what all verified people do and, like, only follow other verified people? Yeah. Wow. Are you going <laughs> to unfollow me? Yeah. Well, it doesn't really matter. My Instagram sucks. Your Instagram's great. But I, uh, right. no, I mean, I am. Ex- pictures of a verified person on it. Uh, you know, I'm excited to have a blue check mark because uh, it looks good for me. But uh, tis the day that he was verified. But yeah, the I mean, sire of the Instagram. I only bring it up because <laughs> it's exciting for me. And next week we're going to feel different. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I feel like a real king now. Yeah. 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 So. It's exciting. We've People been doing- are going to be like, ooh, he's married to a girl that's not verified. Wow. Really being the sim down there. All right. Well. Okay. This has been a fun time. Um, Yo, I did it. I did it.
Oh, you know what? We watched. We've been watching some movies. We watched. Been watching some Paul Hogan movies. Oh yeah. Uh, we watched uh, Crocodile Dundee. Oh yeah. Very good. Greatest love story of all time. It was really good. And it then, was. And then we watched. I've seen it before, but it's been a while. It held up though. Crocodile Dundee to me held up. It but, did. I mean, there's some there's some scenes in there that are not going to be okay for for people nowadays. But, he has uh, such a charming smile. But it's a fun that. movie. And then we watched Lightning Jack, which. Lightning Jack was a real favorite of mine, and it didn't quite hold up the way that I that I thought it. I got a little bored throughout. I it. I got a little bored too. But it's uh, you know what Cuba Gooden Jr. as a mute ain't nothing like it. Yeah, Paul Hogan, Cuba Gooden Jr., and Beverly D'Angelo. This might have been one of Cuba Gooden Jr.'s first roles. I know he did some stuff younger, but this might have been a. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, he was uh, a mute, and uh, so he did a lot of physical stuff, and. Uh, I thought it was very good. I mean, I loved it as a kid, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. And um, I um, I don't feel like it held up as well as I'd have liked. Yeah, that's how we that's how we relax. You know, we watch Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, I got Crocodile Dundee 2. After we watch it, I may order 3 just to watch it. You know it. you're going to. You're probably going to order it right now. But I'd like to see it. Dusty orders things like every day on Amazon. Well, it's just, Dusty likes to say, I'm low maintenance financially, but high maintenance emotionally. Well, I don't say that about myself. I say that about Hannah. Yeah, that's what I said. She's low maintenance financially, but high maintenance emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, be on the lookout. We're going to the Blue Room Comedy Club this weekend in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, it's Annie's Comedy Club tonight. Thank you very much. And... We're having a good time.